working. Welcome everybody who's joining. We'll give a few more minutes for those uh, who are gonna join to log in. Well, you know it's a big deal when Josh Carney attends something virtually. My goodness. We just all, this is all a holier encounter now because Pastor Carney is with us. And I would note, I think Eric Cowell might have been the last person to register. So um, he, he did register, but uh, <laughs> he was a late registration. Glad he decided to show up too. At least in theory. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and jump in. We have a few more join us, I'm sure, and we have several others logging on in Facebook. Well, welcome this morning, friends, to today's Truett Church Network webinar and podcast. We're glad you are with us today. Our guest today is Dr. Jenny Howe, Director of the Food Ecology and Justice Program at Truett Seminary. Um, Jenny, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's good to yeah. be here. And in your new beautiful home, it looks wonderful. And uh, we're, we're glad you are here. You know, I know a lot of people tuning in know you a lot that may watch uh, later or listen later on podcasts may or may not know you. Would you kind of give us the quick uh, bio on, on Jenny Howell and crew? Sure. Um, I am the inaugural director of the Program for Theology, Ecology, and Food Justice, which is quite a mouthful uh, at Truett Seminary which means that I'm teaching classes out at the World Hunger Relief Farm. Um, I have a PhD in theology. I am a preacher's wife and mother to three kids and an avid gardener. How's that for a quick spiel? Man, that is, I'm used to preachers being on here that, you know, you say brief and you're going to get five minutes for sure. Um, all right. So what, what's coming in from the garden right now? What, what's, uh, what's being harvested? Well, um, out at the farm, which is the only garden we have right now, since as you pointed out, we just moved. Um, we've got kale, spinach, uh, a bunch of different kinds of radishes and uh, green onions, all the early kind of spring um, greens that, that are so beautiful after a very, very bleak winter. Just starting to come in, huh? I, uh, I often garden. I have to, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, I have two pots right now of lettuce, of different types of lettuce, and that's all I mustered the strength to do this year. But uh, starting last week, we have been able to have fresh lettuce for dinner, which is always uh, just a, I don't know, a unique joy to yeah. kind of rip it out, you know, rip it off and wash it off and then eat it that night is always fun for uh well, I would say for the kids, it's really more fun for me. They, they, they like it like the first time or two, you know, then they're done and uh, wanting to do something else. Um, well, as you said, you're, so I think I got the name wrong. I've worked on this and I think I butchered it. Theology, food, ecology, and justice, correct? Theology, ecology, and food justice. And food justice. Okay. I am sorry. I, man, I worked on it and I still butchered it up. So this was launched, uh, just before COVID, but largely because of COVID, kind of has flown under the radar, um, I think, of some of the new initiatives going on at Truett, um, in addition to the Wesley House of Studies, the Black Church Studies Program, things like this, that um, uh, just is kind of, I think it's flown under the radar a little bit, because we haven't been able to um, 
just to support it maybe like we would have otherwise if we were able to all be together and do big events and things like that. Tell us a little bit about how this came to be. Sure. Um, this came about after several conversations and um, uh, dreaming together with a bunch of friends. Um, I think that that drawing attention to the role that creation plays in our life um, preeminently as Christians is an important and oftentimes overlooked um, aspect of the Christian life. Um, and we see this playing out over and over again in the churches. And so uh, what initially began as a conversation with some of the administration at Truett then expanded over to the World Hunger Relief Farm, uh, which is a farm located just outside of Waco. It's a 40 acre farm that grows uh, food uh, for the community in regenerative and sustainable ways and uh, gives half of what they grow to um, folks in our community who are most at risk um, for issues of health and um, who might not be able to afford healthy food otherwise. Um, and so uh, we started having conversations out there and began to dream together that maybe uh, we could uh, do something really unique here at Truett. Um, and so we took a risk and wrote a proposal and the Baugh Foundation uh, came through and gifted us with the seed money to begin this initiative. So it is, it's a, a little bit of a Truett thing. It's a little bit of a World Hunger Relief Farm thing. And is the, the Baylor Collaborative on Hunger and Poverty, is it, is it involved as well to some degree? Absolutely. Um, this is very much a collaborative endeavor. And I think that speaks to the nature of the kinds of questions we're seeking to ask. They're going to take collaborative responses. The Baylor Collaborative for Hunger and Poverty um, is one of the greatest providers of food for people um, who are facing food insecurity in the United States today. Um, not only are they um, great at systems and helping getting food out, they are great at collaboration and bringing together people from all kinds of different backgrounds to think well about these issues. And so they've invited us into that endeavor and they, um, Jeremy Everett in particular, who's the director has been at the heart of all of our conversations as we build this program out. And as it is a Truett uh, webinar podcast today, I have to point out that the executive director of Baylor uh, Collaborative on Hunger and Poverty is Jeremy Everett, a Truett grad and executive director of World Hunger Relief Farm is Jonathan Grant, um, also a Truett grad. So, you know, we got we to gotta give our shout outs uh, while we can. And, uh, and the director of education at the World Hunger Farm is as will be a Truett grad next week. And um, okay. in the... In the um, woman in charge of the production for the farmer's market is also a true grad. So. Really? Okay. Well, we just got them all over the place. That's all, always nice to fling our green and fold, uh, green and gold. Uh, not so far, but yeah, out doing other things. Okay. So in thinking through this and it's trying to explain it to some others of like what this is, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's theology, it's um, um, ecology and food justice. Mm -hmm. Some people may link some of those words together, I think some that may not be familiar might not link all of those words together naturally. So when you were forming this, why was the linking of each of those words in the name of the program important? And kind of how do they all 
work together? It's a great question. So I think we begin with scripture here. And, um, and uh, look at what scripture has to say to us about what it is to have life with God, right? And what we see both in the Old and the New Testament is that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind is also to love your neighbor. And all of this unfolds together at the very beginning in a garden, right? And we see as we move through scripture, the, the central role that land continues to play. And so how these fit together is we begin to tend to the, the ground upon which we live. Um, and and this, this is oftentimes overlooked in the church. We think of the land, the ground as something to escape, that Jesus is gonna come and take us away. But Jesus didn't come and take us away. Jesus came down to earth to us. He came to redeem us here in our bodily lives. He came to redeem all of creation. And so the connection becomes to love God is to love our neighbor. And that is where we look at the questions of food justice, those who are um, hungry, those who are living in poverty and the inherent connection there is between those, the, the, those who live in poverty and the degradation of land. And so it's the argument of this program that those two things go hand in hand. You can't solve issues of environmental degradation without looking at the suffering of the poor. You can't correct problems of poverty without looking at place and the history of place and the, and the scars that are there. So those two have to go together, but that's a very complex kind of endeavor to, to hold all that together in our minds as we seek to be faithful. I have to unmute here. Um, I mean, is there also a an element of recovery of a sense of place that's part of this? Because I think for many of us that are living where we didn't grow up, um, that placelessness and how to belong where you are beyond just our suburban or our residences, things like that. Is that part of this as well, perhaps? Absolutely. It's learning to pay attention, right? It's learning to recognize um, the beauty that is around us and to learn to be grateful and to give praise for that. It is also learning to see the suffering that is around us. And those two oftentimes go hand in hand. And those are things sometimes that are really uncomfortable. Um, we've been confronted with that already. I've already spent a year now teaching classes out at the farm and in the midst of COVID, it's been so great to be out there teaching classes outside. You've come out and walked with me and seen how beautiful it is. And you have a teaching assistant, is that right, that joined you? I do. Uh, Lefty the Mallard uh, shows up for class. He's sort of become the mascot of the farm. <laughs> But in both semesters, uh, we've had other ducks. Um, in the fall, there was Poncho who uh, was tragically killed like the second to last week of the semester. And then this semester we replaced him with two baby ducks and the students became very attached to them and we watched them grow up and become gangly teenage ducks. And they, they actually also died um, two weeks oh. ago. Uh, we, I'm not sure what happened, but we found a pile of feathers. And so that's something we've had to talk about with the students. Yeah. 
we like to, to and, um, think that we can separate ourselves from death, but to love deeply is to be confronted with that kind of fragility that creation has. Um, mm. We don't like that. We like to feel safe. We like to have buffers from that. But being out at the farm, you don't get to be buffered from that reality. We got into birding like many did during pandemic because we were stuck in our backyard and that's something we could do. So we put up a bluebird house for eastern bluebirds and they they hatched had a group of fledglings last year and last week the fledglings left the nest and it was that of my daughter particularly is incredibly tender-hearted loves animals so much she wants to come hang out with lefty so bad when i told her about lefty and you know they left the nest and they can barely fly and you know you can't get involved in this like for them they need to do this but Oh, it was so stressful that afternoon for our whole family. I mean, it was like from like five to dark, we were like spotting them around the neighborhood and following to see how they were doing. And anyway, that uh, both the beauty and the fragility of it is, but it's good to connect with. That's a, an excellent lesson. Yeah, it's an important corrective to, I think, um, the Christian life to think that we can sort of power through instead of recognizing how fragile and vulnerable we are. Yeah. So you mentioned classes out at the farm uh, right now. I know it's kind of in its first stages. What is the what is the content of this program? What does it look like right now? So right now there will be a series of classes offered out at the farm. Um, one is on the doctrine of creation. So we look at that um, from a biblical lens, an historical lens, a theological lens. And really through that kind of formation, we begin to develop a grammar for how to make sense of the world. Um, students learn things like composting. Uh, they spend time studying soil, which is fascinating. Um, we know less about soil than we do the entire cosmos scientifically. Mm. There's so much to it to understand about the dynamics of soil, which is what we're made from, according mm. to Genesis, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one course. Um, another course that we are developing is one on food justice that I'll be leading in the fall. Students will have an opportunity to meet with dynamic leaders from local, locally, nationally, and internationally, people who are on the front lines and serving um, the most vulnerable. And then we're building out some other courses. One will be an immersion course in DC on public policy and one will be a trip to Italy where we will be looking at some of the foundations of um, the connection between creation, theology and worship. So, and we have one that another class that's offered at Robert Creech's farm, another faculty member, uh, he and his wife, Melinda are carefully restoring hundred acres of his grandmother's farm land to natural prairie grass and students have an opportunity to go live with the creatures at their farm for a week in the in the spring. So those are some of the classes we're working on right now. I, I had the opportunity to go visit Creech Farm last weekend or last week oh, for, for an afternoon. Yeah, I was in San Antonio and he invited me down to have coffee and uh, yeah, and to see the update on the prairie land they're developing or reclaiming, I guess would be the maybe a better word for that. And uh, it was, uh, it was yeah, quite beautiful and good time with Dr. Creech. Um, okay, so the classes are being developed. Um, what is kind of the, the hope for this long term? I mean, if you're 
dreaming big about how this might, you know, um, affect alumni, you know, others might be involved. What are some of the dreams for this program down the road? Well, I think we have ambitious dreams. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, first and foremost, I hope for a kind of conversion in the students uh, that they begin to see the central role that creation plays in our Christian life. And that then they will take that formation and bring it into the congregations. Um, I think a lot of our churches today tend towards Gnosticism. Hmm. We separate our bodily lives from our spiritual lives. And that is a, is, it leads to a, a whole slurry of problems and ways in which we participate in sin. And hmm. so first and foremost, my hope is to train pastors to, to be passionate and committed to these issues um, for the greater church. I also hope we begin to train more and more folks who are committed to regenerative and sustainable farming, who are committed to participating in um, uh, community development, public policy um, around issues of nutrition from a theological perspective. And so we're working now on building out ways in which we can um, bring in a, a wider kind of conversation, theologians with um, economists, theologians with folks in the business school, um, theologians with uh, folks in, in the public health community, so that students can be, be brought into these broader conversations. Um, and uh, we can gather around a table together with different forms of expertise together to try to begin to think through how we can more faithfully attend to these, these issues. Is this something fairly unique in the seminary landscape? I mean, I know there's a few other things like that, but the way you and, and Dr. Tucker and others have been able to arrange this really is pretty unique, isn't it? Well, there are other seminaries doing similar kinds of programs. I think we offer something very unique though. Um, we have, because of the hospitality of the World Hunger Relief Farm, a tremendous opportunity to step into the life of a well-developed farm that already has community standing and plays a central role in our community. And that's a, that's a tremendous benefit. The students have access to skilled farmers and um, to a community life that is shared together out there. I think that's unique. Then to be able to partner with something like the Baylor Collaborative for Hunger and Poverty, which is one of the lead leaders in the United States right now. Yeah. And to bring that all together so that you have the local, which is so necessary, the local perspective that is constantly being brought into the national conversation. There's not very many places that have that kind of depth and breadth um, uh, at their doorsteps um, for uh, seminary students to experience. It really does feel like I'm not just an idea of the moment, that's what I almost said, but more than that, I mean, with all of the Baylor resources and the interdisciplinary possibilities of hunger, as you said, the coming together just really feels um, like something for this time that is needed. And I know visiting with students about taking classes at the farm. I think they all want to move all of our classes uh, out <laughs> to the farm. Just the great idea. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I would like to do that. I want to come out and sit in on some more after being there for the day. Um, so, I mean, you've told us a little bit, but so you've got a, a PhD in theology. 
You've got mm-hmm. plenty of other things you could be doing. Um, what what has drawn your gardener? Maybe that's part of it. What really drew you to this work? What sort of sings in your soul that has led you to take on this work? That's a question off the book. So uh, now, <laughs> now we're off script. <laughs> so I do think that in many ways for me, it did begin with gardening. Um, I used gardening as a way to work through grief. Um, it is a practice that connected me literally to the soil and um, taught me so much about those things I was talking about before, the vulnerability of life, the fragility, but also the hopefulness. After that horrible freeze we had a few weeks ago, the roses at the farm are still thriving. And it's just such a beautiful representation of the way that God comes to us. Um, But it is not simply that I enjoy gardening that led me to this. Uh, My research is on the work of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I wrote specifically on the ways in which his understanding of creation served as an important corrective to the racist ideology of the Nazi regime that was making its way into the churches. Bonhoeffer's reading of Genesis, which is a reading where he sees Jesus at the heart of the garden, um, for me became foundational to making sense of the ways in which our communities um, really are still suffering under the systems of oppression and racism and hate and how much resources scripture offers us as a, as a new way forward through those evils, um, specifically as we begin to attend more carefully to our life together in place. That's, that's excellent. And that kind of leads to the next question we were going to discuss of, and you've already hit on this, there just may be more to say. Um, so this is not a work that is meant to uh, take our students away from the local church or anything. This is made an aim to benefit them and grow that. So how, how do you envision this, um, what, supporting local church or connecting with local churches, both in Waco and beyond? How do, how do those things connect, do you think? Well, certainly, like I said before, my hope is to form good pastors, yeah. <laughs> but in the future, we're hoping to be able to open the doors of the farm to the local community, to local pastors. We envision being able to have conferences, retreats, things like that to bring um, folks together to have more concerted conversations about how the church um, is invited into this work. Um, so stay tuned. Hopefully that will be coming in the next year or two. That would be excellent. I mean, I, I think even as we're talking and taking a, having taken a the creation theology class with Dr. Nan back when I was in seminary, I've always been fascinated just with the soil and um, intending the soil, intending a congregation in place, how many overlaps and lessons there are to to cultivate culture, to cultivate health, you know, that you tending to these really small things is what bring helps cultivate life at a large scale. And yeah, I think there's so much benefit and so much um, helpful correction perhaps to be offered to the church and to pastors of, uh, of performance and in well, things we've been talking about, but um, a lot of hope there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think when you begin to get your hands in the soil, we tend to think of this as a metaphor, right? Like we can use this as a metaphor for churches. It's like actually literal. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what if actually getting your hands in the soil is part of the Christian life? And once you do that, you begin to understand you're part of something bigger than you. (laughs) You are not the master, but actually you are in, in, in a place that, that is, that is not within your control. Um, how does that correct our Christian lives when we begin to understand that we are radically dependent on uh, a God who loves us, but also place? Well, and even eschatologically, right? What is what is being taught, what will be is a new creation, not an abandonment of this, right? Or something else. And so we are given creation as a gift. We're giving it to steward and that benefits us and we hopefully benefit. And yet we're also looking to it eternally as well. And you're right. The fact that we do have this Gnosticism that creeps in um, is a, well, a twisting of the gospel and, and a, a cheating ourselves in many ways of a fuller experience of appreciating that here. Um, that, yeah. Well, we're excited about this program, excited to see that it, uh, as it continues to grow, and we're hopeful, I think, as mostly many alumni and pastors and friends um, will be praying to that end and looking forward to the day when there are some uh, retreats and seminars and ways for us to, to plug in and support. Um, as we kind of come to an end, would you have maybe a benediction or a blessing for our time together? I'd be happy to. I'm going to close us today um, with uh the um, Canticle of the Sun, which was written by Francis of Assisi. Um, This is his praise to God through creation. Praise be you, my Lord, with all your creatures, especially Sir Brother Sun, who is the day and through whom you give us light. And he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor and bears a likeness of you most high. Praise be you, my Lord, through sister moon and the stars. In heaven you formed them clear and precious and beautiful. Praise be you, my Lord, through brother wind and through the air cloudy and serene and every kind of weather through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise be you, my Lord, through sister water who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise be you, my Lord, through brother fire through whom you light the night and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Amen. Amen. Jenny, thank you for being with us today. Friends, thank you for tuning in and following along. For those who will be listening on podcasts, we appreciate you. Everyone have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.